0: another episode of Protein Ramblings. Just myself and Naomi here today. Thank you. We're just back with a, not going to be a long episode, it's another one of my eating disorder treatment diary episodes. Now, the original intention was to do one a week, every weekend I came home from the treatment centre. However, we didn't end up doing one last week for good reasons. Mm-hmm. I was luckily part of the treatment involved me getting my COVID vaccine. <laughs> yeah. So, bonus, yeah.
1: But I think the first week was definitely not what we thought it was going to be, so I think that kind of threw everything off a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. That that threw us, in a sense, I wasn't sure what to expect, and it, it was a disorientating experience, and then, obviously, getting vaccinated, I, unfortunately, am one of those people that has, you know, what do you call it, a bad reaction, I guess?
1: Yeah, you, you, you definitely get... See, bad reaction... Is is a loaded term, but yeah, you, you got you got sick.
0: Yeah, so it's not like a bad reaction as in the vaccine is bad and anything like that. A vaccine is part of you know part of vaccine is that they're, they're introducing some of the thing that vaccinating you mm. against into your body to produce an- antibodies, and that can make you sick while your body's fight like producing the antibodies to build up to fight off any future infections because I I get really bad reactions to the flu vaccine mm. as well. I always end up feeling a bit shit after that. So that's why we didn't do one now, uh last week. So that means this one is like a, a bumper going to just talk about my first two weeks in the treatment center. Yeah,
1: cuz what's the date today? It's the 16th of May we're recording on just yeah, from the so, perspective. So
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna be going to going yeah, midway point. I'm going to be going back in tomorrow morning for further treatment. Looks like I'm only there for another two weeks because mm-hmm. I'm um, luckily made a lot of progress. So the treatment center itself and the treatment now, obviously, I need to put some caveats on here because I'm not a standard case. So prior to going into the treatment center, um, well, as as, you, as as people know, I've had I have uh, borderline personality disorder and I, I have had DBT therapy, and that was not what that long ago. So I was in a pretty good, strong state mentally leading into this anyway. And I kind of jumped the gun, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I started I started trying to work on getting my eating back on track a good couple of weeks before going into the clinic. So, I'd gone pretty much 2 weeks prior to starting treatment without actually purging, which was like a huge thing for me, but it, what it did mean was that the digestive side of the eating disorder was starting to work itself out a bit, yeah. which is the most difficult part.
1: Yeah, I think the thing you were most worried about was kind of the, the, the dis- well, correct me if I'm wrong, the discomfort and the the pain that comes with eating normally. You- yeah,
0: yeah, like the, like, stomach cramps, bloating, and just, yeah, general unpleasantness, which I'd rather not, I'd rather <laughs> spare you the details from <laughs> on this show, if possible. But it, it you know, it is a it is a huge part of an eating disorder and the eating disorder recovery. I mean, one of the things that they told us before going in was that yeah, be aware that you're gonna retain water and you're gonna feel bloated. It's not gonna be fun times. Uh, it's not gonna be pleasant. You know, they were quite candid about mm-hmm. that in the very Dutch fashion. Yeah, yeah. The first week was so we we had a couple of bank holidays here in the Netherlands. It's like. May is just like where we pile all our bank yeah, holidays.
1: all the bank And then they give you nothing for the rest, the rest of the of year. year.
0: <laughs> so what that meant is that I went in on Monday morning for my first week and I was only there till...
1: Was it Wednesday?
0: Yeah.
1: I, oh, was it no, no, it was Tuesday. Because Wednesday was the, the holiday day. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So I, I only actually spent two days in the clinic in my first week. And then I didn't end up going, we were supposed to go back in on Thursday, but I didn't end up going back in because of my uh, getting ill or a little bit sick from the vaccine. Like everyone was kind of confident that, yeah, it's just standard side effects of a vaccine, but given the scenario and everything it's like, we reasoned it was safer for me to not come back in just on the off chance that I was sick, sick, and I passed it around Mm -hmm. because it's a fairly enclosed environment. So the clinic's kind of laid out in what is effectively an office block, really? And they've kind of jerry fitted the floor to have rooms in there. The rooms are literally just a room with mm. a bed and a wardrobe, and you've got a bathroom in there, and they lock the bathroom doors during the day, so you can't you have to ask to use the bathroom, but I think like by day one I'd already ha- I'd already like the <laughs> lock because like they're sh- they're running like half patient capacity. Mm. Which makes me... Cause, but I don't think they're running half staff capacity, which makes me want... Because like, the whole idea is that if you need to use the toilet during the day, they unlock it overnight. But if you need to use the to- toilet during the day, you have to go and find one of the socials. They're called. They don't apparently have a English translation yeah. for this. But effectively, I think it's like social workers, psych- psychologist type thing. But yeah, you've got to go and find them and they'll come and unlock the bathroom for you. And I was busting... For a pee and couldn't find one anywhere. So I managed to figure out how to hack, like, pick the lock. Because <laughs> I'm a nerder well. Mm. Um, <laughs> just using my vape tools. Hashtag vape, vape life. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just um, like a small allen key and my ceramic tweezers. And yeah, pick the lock, fine. No problem. So that aside, the main bulk of the, the treatment for me has been giving me an eating regime. Uh, and very strict controls over my eating. So we're given, like, there's a very strict timeline for the day in terms of eating. Breakfast is from 8.15 till 8.30, and you can't arrive late. If you arrive late, you have to wait till everyone else is finished because there's a whole thing of not disturbing and minimal disruption during eating time because it's very, very stressful for some people, which is completely Mm -hmm. understandable. You're not allowed to really, well, you are allowed to talk and have conversations, and this is where it's been a bit challenging for me. And I'll come into it a bit more, but obviously everything's in Dutch and everyone there is Dutch and I don't speak Dutch. So it's, it's problematic, but I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. So yeah, we have breakfast from 8.30 to 8.15. Then, I'm sure you
1: have it from 8.15 to
0: 8.30. <laughs> that would make more sense. You're right. So then from your first two weeks in there at 10.30 is a morning snack. Now your first two weeks, at, well, I mean, it's your morning snack all the time, but for your first two weeks in there, you're monitored during that time. So I have to go into the kitchen and eat my snack in front of someone to prove that I'm eating it. Then we have a hot meal, like what effectively would be most people's dinner. We have a lunchtime, which is at 1230. The reason for this being was that they used to have it in the evenings at 530, but then most of the social staff finish at six. right? And it left people very vulnerable Mm -hmm. because it's it's the hardest meal of the day. So they moved it to lunchtime and it makes sense. Mm So that that usually, that that's very different every day. I mean, it can be like the last day before I came home this week, it was chicken fillet, some not quite roast potatoes, not quite boiled potatoes, uh, cauliflower and gravy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's hospital food, so it's yeah. not, not going to be amazing, but it, it's it's not been like repulsive. Mm-hmm. Well, apart from the one of the bread meals, uh, which I'll come on to. Um, then you have at 3.30, your afternoon snack. And then at 5.30, it's what would be dinner, but for us, it's a, it's termed the bread meal, and it's basically sandwiches with spread, and they don't have butter, they only have halvarine, which is like a margarine thing, I'm like, I'd rather not have, just give me the spread, and during your first two weeks there, again, kind of like with the snack, that you're not allowed to make your own sandwiches, mm-hmm. so you have to email the dietitian before two o'clock to request what you want on your sandwiches, and they prepare them for you, and put them in a little Tupperware, but... I didn't know about this, so I on my first, my first day there, I got some weird hip curry thing, mm. like chicken curry spread. It wasn't very nice. And then even though when I was back this week, I specifically said, just give me the tuna spread because I'm always like, it, it's, it's as inoffensive as it possibly yeah. can be. I still managed to get one sandwich with this weird onion, pickle, yellow. It wasn't nice. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. I like pickled onions, and this was not <laughs> nice, especially not on a sandwich. Like, if you're going to have on, pickled onions on a sandwich, it's got to be like with ham and cheese and. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like, I, you, know, you know, I love the Netherlands, but the Dutch put some weird things on their bread.
0: Dutch just so don't. Fillet it. American. Yeah. What is that? It, it's an option that we have there. It's, it's basically raw meat in spread form. Gross. It is. That's the main structure of the day. Now, they're for. For the Dutch speaking, I wanted to say customers, but that's not the right word. The Dutch speaking patients. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is group therapy through group therapy sessions throughout the day. Like I also have blood tests once a week to check like liver function, calcium levels, or potassium, I should say. And there's a meeting with the doctor because the doctor like is me sleeping tablets and uh, Valium for my back so oh, and there's a weighing once a week you have to be weighed once a week which some people obviously get have real problems with me not so much because it's never re- although it used to be a weight issue for me it's not anymore cars on the table i've i've made some pretty good progress that's the the majority of the day is the 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 cycle and then you've got your room uh, and your room is pretty barren now some of the people there who are you know, obviously severely malnourished. They're they're on a like a restricted movement schedule so they can only like move for up to thirty minutes a day because it's all about refeeding kind of thing. And I'm not sure if that applies to me or not. No one's clearly stated one way or another, but no one stopped me going out to vape. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not gonna question it. But yeah, it was it was a weird first week, only being there two days mm. and then coming back. I was very lucky that like I'd done that kind of like build up before going in because it made that that first week even though it was only a couple of days getting the eating plan was a huge thing so I was able to follow that once I got Mm, home yeah yeah and you know like I've been really successful I've not slipped yeah I've not faltered it's been hard it's been difficult probably not as difficult as it is for a lot of other people Mm. out there and I think that is partially because of my DBT therapy putting me in a really good place mentally, where I was like, I was ready and really willing and wanting to fix this. Whereas I know for some people, like, yeah, they recognise that they need to fix it, but it's you're, you're still not at that point, even though like your body's at that point. Where mm. you have to fix that mentally. You might, yeah,
1: it's the psychological component, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I can, I completely understand. I can completely understand that because it's it's a huge psychological hurdle to have to get over. So the treatment centre, like yourself, it, it, it like I say, it was converted office block, and one of the downsides of that is it means that there's air conditioning in the room that can't be turned off. So, God, have I been cold!
1: <laughs> Didn't you say you were sleeping in like hoodies and hats? And- <laughs> yeah,
0: but then I get too warm um, because my body's not used to digesting stuff. So I'll be mm-hmm. like like stripping down and then putting clothes back on, and stripping down and putting clothes back on. It's not the comfiest bed in the world. I mean. You know, I'm not expecting five star, rich yeah. hotel stuff. It's you know, it's there to serve a function. But because I'm not having the group therapy stuff, it has meant that I'm spending a lot of time, effectively in solitary confinement, because mm-hmm. I'm just sat in my room by myself reading.
1: Yeah, which I think for you, the the being alone is again, grant me if I'm wrong, probably the hardest part
0: yeah like definitely a lack of social interaction is really hard for me because one of the things that i found um especially last week when kenny came around and we had dinner having conversation during dinner and like afterwards and that that helps yeah um and like i said there are during meal times you are allowed to talk but uh not about food mm-hmm. and not about anything to do with food or your eating disorder or anything like that because it you know it can make things harder and be a Trigger for people, which yeah. is you know completely understandable, but one of the problems is because everyone there is Dutch, and basically everyone just speaks Dutch around me during mealtimes And mm-hmm. I'm just sat there going, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yep. it's I mean, the, that in it of itself feels quite isolating yeah, when it, like, and you know, I get it, I get it. It's my bad for not speaking Dutch, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying that, but like.
1: But it doesn't help. You it know, doesn't I, like, help. It makes that, it,
0: it makes you feel very ostracised. Yeah, you
1: can acknowledge that there are reasons why it's happening, and and also acknowledge that what's happening is not ideal for you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know.
0: Yeah, like I, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm never going to criticise or have a go at someone for speaking their native tongue. Mm. Like that's just not it. But like I don't know, just a, maybe a little bit of more care and consideration in mm. that respect. So the way meal times go down is that you have. We're separated out into two different kitchens, so it's not overly crowded. And then there's a social, uh, like social worker or whatever, in the kitchen, and they kind of like, they'll talk to you a little bit. And the, th- the main thing that there is that they're to ask, at the beginning of each meal, what's your objective for this meal? Mm-hmm. Now, I know for people with anorexia and things like that, you know, the, setting an objective for the meal is really useful. But for me, the problem was never with the food going mm. in, it was with it staying yeah. in. Yeah. So the objective for me doesn't happen until... After the meal, so I never really had much to say. Mm. So it basically just has boiled down to me every time they ask that question is just read book, eat food.
1: <laughs> that's fine. That counts, you know. It's yeah. An objective. <laughs> I me mean,
0: through. Like the big thing for me in the first the first week, especially, was distraction after mm. eating, having something to focus on, and that's a lot harder when you're by yourself in a room. Yeah, of course. But well, I guess in that sense, it was kind of useful because it gave me a lot more fortitude mm. because I was like, well, I've, I've kind of got to sit and acknowledge this because I've got nothing much to distract myself from. There's the atmosphere that like, I took my Switch with me. I had my laptop with me. I should have been doing more work for the podcast and stuff. I just, the motivation wasn't there at all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is understandable.
0: I just sat and listened to podcasts and mm. emo music.
1: <laughs> sounds fair.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, uh, wrapping up the first week, I didn't go back, but I, because of the COVID jab, which, you know, like, I'm really grateful to have it, even if it is the uh, Yasin or Johnson & Johnson, which is only 65% effective. <laughs> I've, I've got a real i <laughs> I'm
1: holding beam. this over my head now. Like, you're getting the better COVID jab. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> I, I, I have got a real B in my bonnet about it. Like, I was, like, so excited because I didn't think there was any chance we were going to get the COVID jab anytime soon. Then, as soon as I come home off the first we week, we both got invites. We both got invites. Yeah. In the, I'm like, what the <laughs> I could have got, got the Moderna or the Pfizer the 80-90% mm. effective one instead now I'm like it's a 50-50 crapshoot whether I'll get it or not
1: <laughs> but you've been alright this far
0: yeah I mean I, I'm still going to take precaution but anyway we're not here to talk about COVID <laughs> so the first week was pretty good um, my snacks in between meals have generally consisted of cereal bar like mm-hmm. you know the what was it eat natural yeah. cereal bar type things because they're, they're pretty good they're they, they, this is one thing I don't necessarily agree with. They do use calories. That they're like you mm-hmm. have to consume X amount of calories. I think, and again, I-
1: though that's you know, if you're you're anorexic and you're being refed, you're still really malnourished. Then of course that your calorie count is going to matter at that point.
0: Um, yeah, but calories are still dumb
1: science. It's, the science behind them is misunderstood and mispropagated and misused. I like I don't want to get into my feelings on the diet and wellness industry. But for somebody in recovery from anorexia, then yeah, I absolutely see the value of saying this person needs this many calories per day because you do need calories. Yeah, no, I get
0: get that as well. But I also like...
1: It's what happens afterwards. And obviously I'm not an expert, but when you're kind of recovered or if you're just a normal person eating normally, then that's when the whole obsession with calories for me is a problem.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. I would definitely agree. I don't... the, The thing is the calorie count is never really discussed openly mm. it's just when you initially put your meal plan together the dietitian that builds your meal plan has like a total calorie count yeah. in mind for your overall day mm. and that's like the only time it ever really comes mm. up so yeah that's been lot that was largely the first week the second week went back and I went so the weeks generally begin on a Sunday night so we go back on a Sunday night between 7 30 and 8 30 I ended up going a lot back a little bit later but luckily he's a really cool old uh, older guy that works the night shift. He's really easygoing, really sound. I just kind of messaged him and was like, I'm going to be late because I was doing mastering on the podcast and it was going <laughs> very badly because Adobe Audition, fuck that thing, man. I've switched wholly over to Reaper now. Um, so, yeah, that, I, w- I I ended up going back late Sunday night. So I got back, I got there about half nine, I think it was, mm-hmm, in the yeah, end would- Sunday night. Just got, went in there, went straight to my room, pretty much crashed out not long after I got there then start you start start the fresh on the Monday morning now again, we had another bank holiday this week, yeah, which was on the Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. so I was only there from Monday, well, Sunday night to Wednesday afternoon, um, and, yeah. Again, it was largely me sat in my room by myself from what I I've, like, I've, I've talked to some of the other patients in there. From what I can understand, the group therapy is really beneficial for them mm-hmm. and it is really good. It, and you know, there were some ones saying like, it's a shame that you can't do yeah. it because you might I probably would get something from it. But by the same token, I've done really well to the point where I'm quite lucky now that I'm not actually going to be going back for a full week at all. We've agreed that next week, well, I'll go back. I'm not going back Sunday night. I'm going back Monday morning Mm -hmm. and I'm coming home on Wednesday. And that's going to be the same for the remainder of the two weeks. And the chances are, we're going to obviously review each week, but the chances are I'm not going to need to stay in there any longer than four weeks. I've been (laughs) very, very fortunate. And like, I don't, Want to mislead people into thinking that this shit is easy just because I've I've had quote unquote like I don't want to use the word recovery but speedy recovery mm. uh, because I can't think of a better way to phrase it. Yeah, it's like one of the, one of the thing the the therapist because I had like my I had a group meeting with therapy and social and everyone there because I I I voiced the thing of saying like I'm not sure how much I need to be here still because mm. I, I like I was worried that there's a point where the, the isolation is going to be more detrimental than the benefits of having the controlled structured yeah, eating. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits that has come with, one of the many benefits that's come with you doing DBT last year is I think you've got a much better grip and understanding on your your level of mental wellness. So you are able to recognize like, okay, there is a point where this is bad, this is good, and you can act on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I That's one of the things that the... Uh, therapists have agreed that I I have a very strong sense of self and understanding Mm. of myself. And I was like, yeah, that's very thanks to DBT. And weirdly, my BPD is, as much as it might have been what was one of the triggers for me getting my eating disorder, it's also been a tool, now I understand it more, that I've been able to harness to help expedite my recovery Mm. somewhat. Because with BPD, things can be very black and white. You're Mm. either on or you're off or, you know, you're one or you're zero. And I kind of applied that logic to my eating. It was like, well, I'm just going to eat now. Yeah. And it kind of worked for me. Now, I don't, this is not going to be the same for everyone. Believe me. And I, I, I'm i I'm very, very fortunate that I, all this has happened at just the right time where I'm in the right headspace to really embrace it and move forward with it. Because, you know, I've struggled with this for 10 fucking mm. years. So it's not like I, it's it's been a kind of, Oh, I had an eating disorder for a few months, and oh, I'm better now. No, no, this has been ten years of fucking working. And- yeah,
1: and this is not the first therapy that you've tried either. You know, it's uh, it's it's not like as with anything, there is no overnight success, right? No, there's a lot no, of work behind not. that overnight. So, yeah, I, I get what you mean. You don't want to kind of give the impression that you just kind of walked in and and snapped no. your fingers and fixed yourself, which is not what happened. Uh, you did have a lot of tools already. I think it was just you weren't utilizing them because there wasn't the
0: incentive to do it yeah I needed an impetus like an inciting factor to actually really address the eating disorder because the where I was at was just very much a habitual side of things so like my eating disorder progressed a lot over the time of those 10 years because obviously I've even though I've not been able to find professional help up until now I tried myself to combat it as best as I could so over the course of 10 years, my eating disorder morphed from what was started off as a very typical bulimia pathology, I guess, mm-hmm. for want yeah. of a better word, uh, with the very prevalent binge and purge cycles. It kind of morphed into what is, ter- like, it falls under the AED category, but as we mentioned in the previous episode, it's like more like a purging disorder. So I just kind of purge constantly, even though I'm eating relatively regularly. Although one thing that I have noticed now that I'm eating properly, like having meals and keeping them down, is that my in-between meal snacking is virtually non-existent. Oh,
1: yeah, completely. Yeah, it's changed a lot.
0: Including our shopping bill.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that was an almost immediate effect as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I've discussed this a lot with the therapist there, and it's because, you know, my body is full. I don't need to be eating all the time because I am not actually hungry yeah anymore. your body's
1: doing what it needs to do yeah. in, in a normal natural way which is something you I mean you'd had maybe periods here and there where you know like we talked have we talked on the podcast when we were in Japan on holiday generally yeah. you didn't have any problems
0: yeah I mean generally I, a lot of that I put down to the way you eat in Japan mm-hmm. small pe- small, cold portions over long periods of time that's that, that favors yeah. um, my particular flavor of eating disorder. Mm. And
1: also we were moving around a lot. So, you know, you had those distractions yeah. immediately.
0: But uh, yeah, so it's the first two weeks have been challenging less from like there has been challenge from an eating side, but it's been more of an environmental challenge, which in of itself, I guess, is kind of good in a way, because what that environmental challenge has done has fortified me even further. Because it's like, okay, if I can do this in this environment, then I can do it in my comfortable home environment easier, in yeah. theory. And thus far have proved so. Like, I've had pizza. Pizza was the death food <laughs> for me. Like I never used to be able I, I love pizza, but I never used to be able to eat and keep it I was like, I'd order pizza, but I knew it wasn't going to happen because it's just such a heavy thing but no i've had pizza twice now mm. since we ordered a burger last night and yeah. yeah i had loaded fries with bacon and cheese sauce <laughs> and I kept it all down man mm-hmm. but so that's, a key, that's a, it, the thing i think that was a real twist for me like or you know like the how different i felt physically mm. was so noticeable yeah. so fucking quickly yeah,
1: completely yeah from an outside perspective like i i can see the difference in you in terms of energy mood how much you're sleeping you know all that kind of stuff yeah so I can only imagine how you as the person (laughs)
0: feel. yeah I mean my sleep's still not great because you know insomnia is not necessarily tied to Mm. my eating disorder but what is a lot better is the the fatigue that I would have I was constantly struggling with that's almost completely gone like I'm getting up earlier when I'm not you have
1: a lot less problems getting up in the morning yeah definitely Yeah. yeah
0: And that's after gaming till 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, (laughs) so that that in of itself is a huge change Mm. to my life. I don't feel like knackered. I used to have real problems with just get... Like once I started doing something, I was fine. But just that initiating of any kind of action was always very laborious and like swimming through porridge. So that's been a really huge change. Um, And like for anyone out there with an eating disorder that's looking to go into recovery that if if you notice that if you that's the that's the feeling to grasp onto and use as kind of like that's what I've used as my anchor to kind of like really when I've had the more challenging times after meals which there have been where I've felt especially bloated and uncomfortable mm. that feeling of like just generally feeling physically better. That's what I've kind of really grasped onto and held strong. And that's what I've used to kind of strengthen my resolve and my willpower because I'm like, I don't want to go back to feeling how I did before. It felt shit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize exactly how shit until I wasn't feeling like that. Mm -hmm. And like I say, you know, I, I really don't want to try and downplay how difficult recovery from an eating disorder can be. Yeah, it's been 10 years and I, you know, I, I was just at that point and I was ready. So I've embraced it and I've kind of rolled with it. And I've been very fortunate that, yeah, I, I've got good treatment and I've had prior therapy, which has given me tools to help in this scenario. Um, and the, the treatment isn't going to stop with the clinic. Mm. After the clinic, I will be having CBTE. Now, CBTE is a con- cognitive behavioral therapy enhanced. Mm-hmm which is specifically targeted for eating disorder treatment. Typically, they would look at to do 20 sessions, but talking to uh, my therapist, it's likely that I'm not going to need that much. You know, they' without trying to toot my own horn too much, they've been very impressed, kind of like, I think almost a little annoyed level <laughs> of like why, you know, like...
1: I don't you
0: need more help? <laughs> yeah, because one of the things that they have um, out, like, uh, on top of the therapy and the coaching during mealtimes, they have um, what's called venting. So at any point, if you, because they don't want you to purge, they don't want you to not eat, the, like if you're struggling, the idea is that you talk to someone. Mm. And there's just a little area where you can grab one of the socials, you can sit down, and you can just tell them whatever you're thinking, whatever you're struggling with and just, you know, vent and let mm. it all out. I've not needed to use that mm-hmm. at all. Like I've basically not spoken to anyone <laughs> outside of mealtimes or, you know, c- occasionally speaking to the other patients while I'm out vaping and they're smoking. Um, and yeah, I, I just wonder if there's, like, it felt like there was a little like, kind of like, are you here? <laughs> and there was especially, I, I think it's just a Dutch kind of like, you know, very direct thing, but there's a few times where I felt a little, because... I'm sat in my room the entire time. I'm losing track. You know, I don't really lose track of time yeah, when you like yeah. so I missed uh like a blood test appointment and stuff like that. And they're very bad at telling you where the appointments are because every time they know I speak English, mm. but they email me in Dutch all the time. <laughs> every time, like, oh yeah, here, here's all the details in Dutch. Yeah. And it's like, okay, right, fine. I can't, I can't, I can't get angry about it, but it's it just
1: well, you, like you say, they do know that you are English. You know, it's not like you've sprung that upon them. And English is the official second language of the Netherlands, so yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> know. it's not weird. Yeah, it's not weird, especially in Amsterdam. You know, it, like you, as we know from living here, it, it, it's harder to speak Dutch to people than it is to English. Yeah, if they know you're English,
1: yeah.
0: but yeah, so like, there's been some. That where my b p d is kind of come into play is where it's just like you know I've missed appointments and it, it there's the Dutch directness, but for me mm-hmm. that translates as I'm angry with yeah, you yeah um so that that's kind of been a bit of a rocky sort of rocky road for me but i i am I've dealt with it it's fine, but again, it's one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, I don't want to spend more time there than I absolutely need to mm-hmm. because there is a like a you know what's the word I'm looking for reducing returns what's the word what's diminishing, the, returns. diminishing returns that's yeah. the word i was looking for thank you um yes yeah, so there's a diminishing returns aspect so that's why i'm we've allotted to do the three days for the next mm-hmm. two weeks and then see how things go from there so yeah that's what the treatment has been like for the eating disorder uh, in the eating disorder clinic uh novarum for those that are interested is the company in the netherlands that uh, i'm being treated by they, doing, they do really good work and they are, like, I think, for, especially for those that are able to take a part of in the group therapy, it's a really good environment. They are very supportive. Like they allow you, you, know, you can decorate your rooms because they've got, they've got people that have been there for like 12 weeks, mm-hmm. which I think is the maximum you can stay there for. So yeah, you're allowed to decorate your room. You have this obviously have the same room the entire time you're there. You come home with your key, so when you go back, you can just go straight into your room. I've done fuck all with my room. I've just got a little Bluetooth speaker in there, so I can listen to music and podcasts, and that's it. The biggest, the biggest problem is just you can't turn the aircon off. (laughs) I hate it so much. My nose is a wreck. But other than that, they, they are doing like really good job, and it's good that they've been able to continue to treat people even throughout covid yeah and that you know e- even if it is the shitty one they're, they're offering the <laughs> vaccines
1: to well i mean it makes sense if you don't know how long someone's going to be there right like you may not see them again in in a good time frame for a second jab so a single shot makes sense
0: yeah yeah definitely and you know any vaccine is better than no vaccine exactly. i guess so that's not gonna dilly dally and do too much on more on this i just kind of want to update people and let you know what's been the progress so far um, the other aspect actually that I should mention, uh before we go is the one of the key parts of the recovery is that you have to keep an uh, eating diary. So you write down what time you eat, what you eat and your thoughts about your thoughts during the meal. Now for me... My thoughts during the meal are ba- basically non-existent because I'm usually reading my book or watching <laughs> TV. So it just reads as fine. I, like in the first week, I was writing some things mm-hmm. down during, because it, it was a lot more challenging that first week. But by the second week, because I'd already done those two weeks of eating normally at home, even though it wasn't to the, the strict, strict schedule that they've laid out, now it was still eating without vomiting. So now I just, I, I, I don't really have any thoughts to write. Mm-hmm. So I just write the word fine.
1: But well, that's good. If you, if you reach a point where you're neutral about your food, that in itself is a massive achievement, you know, where food is not the enemy. It's just part of your day.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the big benefits of this going into clinic like that is having the control over your food taken away from you mm-hmm. because it forces you to acquiesce to... Uh, a higher power <laughs> for <laughs> one of the better yeah. not vincent man
1: never mm-hmm. right, agree vincent man <laughs> no,
0: it was me austin <laughs> it was me all along i had your dinner <laughs> but yeah it so i think that that in of itself is a really uh is probably one of the most benefit obviously the therapy i'm sure is very very good as well but just having that control taken away and kind of being not so much forced but forced into in the nicest possible in the nicest possible sense of the word forced being forced into an eating pattern that resembles a normal person's Mm. eating pattern now i mean will i stick with the the strict regimen of timings and snacks all the time i don't think so because i think depending on what you eat depending on what you're doing your body will change because like, I've already talked to the therapist about it, and they're like, you know, I've had extra snacks at night when I've been gaming with Phil and they're like, yeah, that makes sense because mm. you're up longer. You need more energy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to, as I, as I transition out of clinical treatment, I don't think I'm going to keep with the, that very, very strict regimen. I'm just going to listen to my body and let it dictate. Exactly, yeah.
1: And your body will, will tell you, you know, I, th- I think people in a lot of ways, get worried about about being hungry and eating too much or eating not enough or when and where and that kind of thing. But, you know, normally if if you're feeling hungry, it you just eat, man, you know? Um, yeah. I know I'm really oversimplifying it, but I do think the best thing a, a person can aim for with regards to food is just to be intuitive about it and, and listen to what your body is telling you.
0: Yeah, no, completely. And I think with the treatment, what... It does. It gives you that initial baseline. Some people may need that structure a mm-hmm. lot for longer, maybe even long term. Mm-hmm. It depends on the flavor of your eating disorder and your psychological makeup. But I think there, there will come a point for everyone in recovery where that that structure should be removed, and you mm-hmm. should rely on a more intuitive eating. If you if if you feel ready to, I don't think that it should. You know, you shouldn't force yourself into it. If you if you feel like it could cause relapse but yeah it for me myself I think I, I'm already feeling that I like I, when I've been at home I'm cutting out a snack mm-hmm. because I just don't feel I don't feel hungry yeah. and I, I'm at that point where I'm like I'm not gonna eat if I don't feel hungry because mm-hmm. like I said it's never been a problem with food going in for me it's not mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm actively not wanting to eat I'm keeping food down now yeah. so it's like my body probably just doesn't need as much right now. I don't know. Mm. Like, I don't know. But I'm just listening to my, I'm trying to listen to my body. And like, if my body says, oh, you, you know, I get, I'm hungry. And it, the trick is determining hunger versus boredom.
1: Yeah,
0: That's a hard determination to make. <laughs> but that's something that, you know, I think everybody struggles with. Definitely. I know i tried to wrap this up like 10 minutes ago <laughs> and then go on to another side topic. But it's a, it's an interesting experience to go through and it's been very beneficial and helpful but that has been the first two weeks. Uh, I'll do another episode in another couple of weeks once I've finished up the clinical treatment, let you know how all that went and what the next steps are going to be for the therapy because I should have more details on that for for then and then I may do one more episode on this um, after I've done some of the therapy just to kind of round everything off and let you know how things, how, where things have gone. But, like I say, there's for those that out there that are struggling with eating disorders, it is something that you can, you can beat, you can overcome it. But I'm not gonna sugarcoat and say it's gonna be easy because fuck, it took me 10 years. It ain't fucking easy. And you have my sympathies, my support, and like asking for help is the first sign that you're ready to actually try to recover. So, yeah, if you're sat there thinking, I don't wanna be like this anymore. Then that's a really good sign, and lean into that. That's, that's kind of what I did, and it, it, but it was a gradual thing. It took a long time. The only thing I would say is just don't let yourself do what I do, did and nearly die several times. It's not fun.
1: Mm, yeah, I second that.
0: Yeah. Again, I know it's not the happiest of episodes and mm-hmm. things, and it's not a long one, but I hope you guys, I hope people out there are taking something from it, and uh, enjoy is not the word, but' finding this informative and interesting at least. Again, this is going to be released alongside a normal episode tomorrow. From when you're listening to this, there'll be a following because I'll release these these eating disorder diaries on a uh, Saturday or Sunday and our normal episode will come out as per usual on a Monday. So there's still going to be fun. There's still going to be fun things coming your way. Much more Jason the Wheel Warriors (laughs) still yet to watch. And uh, that's that's everything from us. Uh, Thank you for sitting and listening to me rant about my eating disorder. You're always welcome. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back with more fun stuff, and in a couple of weeks, some more updates on the eating disorder. Until then, everybody out there, stay safe, and don't forget to check out our social media: Facebook.com/proteinramblings, at Protein Ramblings on Twitter, at Protein Ramblings on Instagram protein ramblings on tumblr and the
1: discussion group on facebook and
0: the discussion group on facebook protein ramblings discussion group it's an invite only thing but if you like the page you'll probably get uh, the facebook page will probably end up getting an invite to the group yeah um it's not private so you can search for it and request an invite as well all the links to all our social is on our website proteinramblings.com so you can go there check it out uh there's all the episodes can be found there information about the team who work on the show and a bit of background history on the show and stuff like that. You know, it's a... It's a
1: one-stop hub for all your protein rambling needs. Yes,
0: yes. And there will be merch at some point as well.
1: Yeah, it May even do the Patreon, who knows.
0: Yeah. So until next time, guys, uh, everyone in the real world, stay safe and we'll love you and leave you.
1: Yeah, take care.
0: Bye.